At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. This is WOMMLP operating out of Burlington, Vermont. 105.9 The Radiator is the Rocket Shop. Good evening. I'm your host, Tom Proctor. And with me tonight is Britt Moore in person. Hello, Britt. Hi. And we've got John Keane calling in from... Actually, I'm not sure. John, where are you calling in from? Arizona. Arizona. This is our first ever call-in, I think, for this show. So it's always good to, to have a Big Heavy World exclusive. Or cool. A debut or <laughs> yeah. A first. Um, we... Do you like kicking it off with a song? So what would you like to play for us first? Um, I'm thinking that we should probably start with Bittersweet. Alrighty. Um, Bob, could you uh, cue that one up for us?
Mark kicking it off there with Bittersweet. So, um, first off, John, welcome to the show uh, via via the phone. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did you two meet? Do you guys consider yourself a band or are you a solo artist with audio engineer kind of uh, taking a more of a, a, <laughs> oh a greater gosh, role John. than usual? What do you think, John? <laughs> well, no, it's it's definitely a solo. She's she's definitely a solo act. Um, but um, Britt and I had been working together. We're, we were in a band together for a couple of years, um, and then she moved, you know, away from Arizona, um, and you know had all these songs that she wanted to do. And I um, I offered to to help her out a bit with. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the music and the production, so. He says a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I, I still, we still have my, our house in Vermont. We moved here in 2007, and I started working at Linden State College in the music department pretty much right away, like, right when I got here. And then um, we moved to Arizona, actually, to be by my mom, who's getting older, and then the COVID thing came, and, you know, I was glad I was there for that. But I met John through, you know, just the way musicians meet lots of times on Craigslist or just, you know, through friends or whatever. And we were in a band together out there. So that's how we met and we we played around Arizona. And um, he's just really talented. And yeah, like he said, I had all these songs. Those are old songs that I wrote, even like some of 10 years old. And I had rough versions of them, you know, on my own guitar. And so I'd send them to him and he'd Make it good. <laughs> <laughs> Do some up. Um, so, uh, as you said, that you and John played together in, in Arizona. How long is this kind of collaboration, this style of collaboration, this remote collaboration been going for? Um, I don't know. Like, the end of, end of last year, like November, I think. Yeah, like it's really brand lo- lo- new. Looking at some of the emails <laughs> from yesterday, it was, it was around Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. So this, is, this has been... Uh, uh, happening fairly recently, yeah. but you've got a, f- a number of songs together. How what what have you been doing in that span of about four or five months? What how much work have you get, got through? Well, the songs are um, just a lot of like diary entries from just journaling, mm-hmm. um, and you know I'd start kind of like writing a little story or writing a little journal. They're all about real people, you know. They sound like love songs, but, you know, there's one in there that's actually about my dad, you know. I mean, so um, I just kind of started putting them to, you know, a chord progression first, and then I'd find, like, a little lick or a little melody on keyboard that I liked. And then I just kept sort of trying to produce them myself, but that's really hard if anyone knows about trying to wear many hats. I mean, John works on his own music all the time, too. And it's hard to, like, sing something, but then also be engineering it and trying to look at it from... The vocals would just sound really robotic Mm -hmm. when I would try to engineer it at the same time. So what was great was I kind of said, Hey, John, (laughs) I got this giant, thick book of all these songs, all these lyrics, and I don't know what to do with them. And he said, Well, why don't you send me some? And I sent him rough recordings that I did in Logic and in Pro Tools. And it just really, he's been a saint with that. Because then he would take the whole progression and even the licks and kind of like 
elaborate on them, send me the tracks back, and then I could just be in my studio space and I could just sing everything, um, which just made it so that I could actually express myself a little bit better vocally. Yeah, so you kind of already had all these audio recordings yeah. previously, and then about November, you kind of then tagged yeah. John in. And, uh, and then since then, he's going to be working on these, these pieces and sending them back to you. Yeah, and every time he sends me something, I'm always kind of blown away. Like, oh, that's not what I thought it would sound like. But, like, for instance, the bittersweet one that we just listened to, I had done it on piano originally, and I tried to do a very cascading sort of descending notes and then going back up like a little waterfall, like if you're falling for someone, you know. And he really did that with the guitars. He made it sound like it was just kind of going up and down the scale, exactly kind of how I pictured it. Yeah. So. And... and John, how much uh, how much do you feel kind of is your influence in these in these songs? Because from what Britt says, it sounds like you know you brought a, a ton to the table and really kind of pushed it in one direction or another with the, your kind of ability as a as an engineer. But do you kind of share that same same kind of uh, ideology? Well, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to do that, um, you know, and, and try to make it. Um, you know, you hear the idea that, that, you know, like she'll send me an idea and I'll listen to it. And it, uh, Bittersweet, for instance, was it took a very long time because the guitar player that was on it played, you know, obviously had a, a completely different style than, than what I play. So I, I kind of had to wrap my head around what he was doing. And at the same time, I, you know, kind of listening through it and all of the things that I didn't like about the arrangement or, you know, the technique or whatever and you know trying to pull out all the good stuff and and make it work and um you know it it, it took a long time because i i went through especially on bittersweet because i had originally started uh a, a guitar part an acoustic part and then i thought i got this great this great idea and i thought well you know why don't i capo up and i'll play it in a different voicing and have it sound you know gigantic but still sound like one big guitar and then i went through and i i had to relearn all the parts and the different voicing and then i played them differently and i liked it better so then i had to go back on the other part and relearn you know and i was going back and forth till i finally got it streamlined to what it really needed to be uh to to express you know that the, that whole um that the like an entire voicing rather than it sounding like two different parts. Yeah, of course. Um, and is this is this the first sort of project you, you've been this involved with in terms of audio engineering, or do you do this for other groups as well? No, no. This is this is all kind of kind of new, <laughs> um, and I'm and I'm unfortunately kind of doing it part time. So it's it's not you know something that I'm well versed in so i've i've learned a lot uh working with brit and you know a lot of it's you know trial and error trial by fire and um you know learning what works and you know kind of learning new things because you know with with digital although you know anymore a lot of stuff sounds really really good compared to what you were able to do um with you know synthetic instruments and so forth but you know you you still have to learn 
like new and creative ways to make make it sound warm or make it sound real. Um, you know, considering that you're, I, I'm essentially working with, you know, um, you know, I, I still can have analog guitar sounds, or you know, or not, or you know, and all the all the drumming, of course, is digital. And the the keyboards and strings and so forth are all digital, so it's all, you know, trying to make it sound as as real and warm as possible. Yeah, I can imagine it's kind of difficult, and that kind of brings me back to what you said, Britt, in terms of trying to audio engineer it yourself, and that is, in fact, or at least it was at one point, your trade. Uh, you were an audio engineer yourself. I want, yeah. Where one obviously there's that difficulty even when you're the person singing yourself and you can you can redo the redo the vocals over and over again <laughs> oh and gosh, make it yes. sound warm. But yeah. where does that difficulty come in? As someone who is, or, or at least at least at some point was a professional at doing this, why was it so difficult for for you to kind of <laughs> engineer your own work? Well, you know, everybody's already like very critical of what they sound like themselves. And um, so, you know, I think John's a good liar <laughs> as far as like telling me that I have something that sounds good because, you know, I don't want it to sound, um, there's like no auto-tune on any of these songs. Um, I kind of wish that I could do that, but um, I also want it to sound natural. But the biggest thing for me was I hear every single flat and sharp note that I sing, even by semitones. I mean, I can just hear that it's ever so slightly off and it drives me batty and it just makes me want to continue to keep doing the tracks over and over and over again or I'll get stuck in an EQ vortex where I'm just over EQing constantly and then I know that that's actually a bad idea to do that so I'm getting better at not engineering my stuff because one of the reasons why I you know I'm so grateful to John is that these songs are so old because I just to produce them to death and then I would just give up you know mm. and so I think you know if anybody can learn anything from not that other people haven't been through that experience but they, you have to just get to a place where you just need people to hear your music mm -hmm. otherwise it's going to sit in that folder forever and so you kind of just have to say okay it, it's as good it's it's good enough I really want someone to listen to it so so it's also got that kind of there's two kind of elements to this, which are fairly vulnerable actually, because one is you trying to uh, to engineer your own music, and then finally going, you know what? I think someone else needs to actually have a listen to that, and that's a fairly vulnerable thing for a start. But the second part is that these songs are actually quite personal, as you said before. They a lot of them are just ripped straight from your page of the diary. Um, what was what was your decision making in terms of? Uh, that kind of choice in terms of where you're drawing your creativity from? Why was it your diary that was a thing that you kind of went to in terms of starting to song songwrite? Well, it sounds kind of cliche, but it's that old thing, write what you know thing. I know that sounds silly, but, um, you know, I've, I've written songs about stuff that doesn't have any meaning to me at all, you know, fun songs or silly songs um, or trying to purposefully write a song about a topic that I don't really have any knowledge of or am not really invested in and um yeah it's cute it rhymes and you know it's but then you go and try and sing it and it sounds a little bit like you're doing a commercial for like a car company or something <laughs> or a jingle you know so I thought well maybe I'll just try and actually sing 
something that I wrote down that I felt sad about or angry about or frustrated about. So um, there, there's only four songs that we're going to hear, and one of the ones that I we're working on now is actually about my struggle with anxiety. So that one's very dark and um, kind of emo, for lack of a better word, but... That one we're just kind of sort of getting into now. And I know that's going to be difficult to sing when I get into it because you could separate yourself and sing it really accurately. Then it sounds kind of artificial. You kind of have to let yourself cry a little bit or get sort of angsty in the vocal. So, Was that very notable for you when you had that switch where you went from singing about uh, you know uh, went, went from singing about abstract topics to to very personal topics when you first listen to those new tracks you're like oh wait no now uh, now I get it now I see yeah and I I still kind of make that mistake um one of the other tunes that I actually sent John several tracks today that I'm hoping he'll find time to comp them together but um when I first sent him I sent him one take quickly like here it's done it's great I sent it and he's like <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> It's okay, but, you know. Um, so I redid it again today, and I thought, you know, I need to quit trying to sing it so perfectly. So, you know, I just try to really go to the place of, like, this is about a person who died, and I picture them in my mind, and I got a little bit choked up in a couple of the takes, so I ended up kind of tossing those ones out. But then it makes that emotion there, you know. So it's difficult to sing about your own personal thoughts out of a diary, but then again, it also makes it a little bit easier in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot more real. Yeah. Um, well, I'd actually love to listen to another track. Is is that the one you're going to be playing next? Uh, um, no, this is actually, um, I'm thinking um, we'll play The Skipping Stone. This is actually my attempt at sort of doing like, initially I was trying to do something like a Pat Benatar thing. <laughs> but then um, John, of course, made it, really really cool um but all these still have like a little bit of tweaks we want to do like there's kind of a little bit of stuff in here i still want to change but um it's a pretty cool track so it's actually just about um somebody kind of being used and thrown away and used again and thrown away so yeah um well i would love to hear it so if bob can uh cue that one up
There by Britmore. I certainly didn't expect the guitar, guitar solo at the end. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, John's awesome, yeah. <laughs> um, so one thing I noticed when uh, you, you put your bio up on the big Heavy World website, there was that YouTube link for, for one of your songs. Um, you put your lyrics on the video itself, which is, you know, often you do see this on YouTube. I was just wondering, is it is it very intentional for you to, to make sure people know your lyrics and when they're listening to your music that they, they kind of really understand them and, and they take that in. Oh, so I think you're referring to the link to a song called Sonder? Yeah, I think that rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's an old, an old song again. That's actually a song from when the last time I was here. Mm-hmm. So different people, but... That song particularly because there's a book called um, the, what is it? It's like the Encyclopedia of Obscure Thoughts or the Dictionary of Obscure Thoughts, something like that. And it's a really cool book that um, has words in there, made made up words from the author that define things that we don't have words for. So one of the words in the book was the word sonder which is supposedly this idea of that um, it's the realization when you're, say, you're walking down the street and you see someone, you look in their eyes for a second and you suddenly realize that they have an entire life too. They have an entire backstory, family, tragedy, joy, all of these other things. Um, So it's the realization that, you know, maybe you don't need to be so self-centered. Like there's other people going through just as much as you are. So we don't really have word to define that. So 
Sonder, I figured no one's really going to know that word unless I read this book. So that video, I did want the lyrics up there just because of that obscure definition. But no, not particularly. I don't really think I'm super needy about people understanding what I'm saying, you know? I mean, how many times do you hear a song and, and you know, for years you think that's what they sang. It meant that to you. And then you find out what the real lyrics and you're like, oh, well, that's not what I thought, you know? A silly thing is uh, there's two, like, two types of people. Like, people who very much get into the lyricism and know the lyrics and, and then there's people like me that, that I t always get the lyrics wrong if I can remember them at all. I could listen to a, a song 50,000 times and still get those lyrics wrong. <laughs> it just doesn't sink in for me. So, yeah, yeah I, I definitely... So just yeah. that one song, yes. Yeah. But it probably wouldn't be something I would ha do as a habit, doing a lyric video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you two are, are planning to get an album out in sometime in 2022. So tell me a little bit, uh, John, how's that process been for you so far? Um, you know, it, it can be difficult just in, um, you know, just <laughs> communication um, because it, it's mostly in, in emails and, you know, she'll send tracks and then I'll send tracks and then, you know, she'll comment. But, you know, in a text, you don't really get the inflections of, of what people really mean by what they're saying. Um, so it's like, well, did, did she really like what I did? Or <laughs> I, I don't really, you know, understand really where she wants me to go with, with this musical idea or whatever. But um, I, I think for the most part, it, it's come together pretty well. Um, and, I, and I did actually, I should mention this. I did actually enlist uh, the help of my friend Mark Pilkerton from Illinois. So it's it's kind of a <laughs> um, cross the nation uh, collaboration on this because he's he's doing all the bass work. Yes, so. I, I'm glad you remembered just because I was the bass on that is so good. I love that it just kind of jumps all over the place and that yeah that's Mark doing that so. Do, 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 do. It's just a really cool baseline. Um, do you do you feel weird because you started this project kind of in COVID? Um, the fact that we were so restricted for so long. Do you see more people in the music industry kind of going this route and creating albums or collaborating with each other across the state, across the country, across the world? Is that becoming more of a of a trend? I know that you do. You are, you've been in the music business a very long time, so I thought you'd probably be a good person to ask about that. Yeah, and I'm sure John's doing that. I know you, you're working on some stuff with other people too, right, John? More Mark yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to, to work this way for a while because I, uh, I have musical uh, friends uh, in a bunch of different states, so, um, you know, trying to get uh, collaborations with, with other people and I, I think this is actually done more and more um, of late in this fashion. I, I um, agree. And I kind of got thrown into learning how to do this so online kind of thing, like you said, because of COVID. The weird thing about that is um, when uh, that started, I was working in a print shop doing like uh, blueprints and graphic design and stuff like that because I do a little bit of that stuff too. And um, 
got COVID, lost my job. So then I thought, well, what could I do online at home? So I ended up actually getting a job as a voice teacher teaching singing to really little kids from like the ages of five up to about 13 were the oldest ones. And I had 30 students and it was really difficult because some of these kids were in different countries. Most of them were in the U.S. But when you're trying to get kids to do music together and everybody on the same downbeat with completely different internet access, it was like that was impossible. But I did that for like a year and a half um, of just trying to learn how to use Zoom and um, just different music apps and how do you send files back and forth? What's the quickest way? And, you know, um, setting up my studio at home to do that. And then I thought, well, that's cool. So how can I make this, you know, something that I can use for my own music? So so I kind of prepped the ground for the work that you're doing, <laughs> work doing with, uh, with John. And have you kind of uh, figured out a few of those kinks in terms of like that communication part? Is there ways that you've kind of got around it? Maybe like leaving voice notes or having those <laughs> a weekly Zoom meeting or something? Well, just last week, John texted me something like, what did you say? I, I don't know what you're saying to me because I can't, I, there's no inflection. You're, I don't know what, exactly what you said, but basically he was like, we have to have a phone call, <laughs> you know, so... Um, so the communication thing, yeah, you know, I might send him like a thumbs up and he'll be like, well, what does that actually mean? <clears throat> does it mean you liked it or does it mean, you know? So um, the communication part is definitely difficult doing the digital music thing. Yeah. The video calling is really great for that kind of thing, although John and I haven't really done that. The problem is where I was in Arizona, really bad signal, Wi-Fi. Now I'm out in the Northeast Kingdom, back home again, and like way in the middle of nowhere. So I really don't have any internet access. So I don't really, ha I don't really have any ability to do the video chatting. Oh, got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'd love to hear another song. So what's the next one? Um, so the next one is "The Rules of Love," and um, this was. Uh, written really quickly actually when I got back to Vermont last August I just sat in my RV and I'm like I just feel like I need to write something and um just started strumming the guitar um I, I think it was just like a C major and I just kind of like voiced it there as an open C major and then I told John maybe I should capo this and sing it somewhere else and he says no because then you won't be able to do the little walking up and down thing you know and I was like oh yeah that's right you still need mm. the you know the same um voicing so uh it was just a quick idea I thought it wasn't going to be any good and then he comes in and makes it like this I picture it as the credits to uh 80s rom-com. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I think. It's I'll like a romantic 16, comedy. <laughs> 16 candles in my head <laughs> as it plays. Very much that way, yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's give it a play. Tell your lies 
The problem is I realize it now Oh, what I put us through Get away when things go wrong And you might come out the other side Call me out if you can be Yes, it's you that I've been making so blue. You should have known it all along. Never play along when you don't know the rules. When you don't know the rules. Brit Moore there. Um, so Brit, as you said, you've, we've, we've seen you before. You came in about what, four or five years ago now? 
2017. God knows how many years ago that is. Quick math. Five. Five years. Five years. Um, (laughs) So um, now you're kind of going on this this solo journey or kind of solo-ish with with John kind of contributing as well. Um, What are the differences that you notice and appreciate between playing and performing solo and then versus with that band? Well, I will have to say I I feel much more confident singing with a band and um, the solo thing is really scary. And, uh, you know, I I do play solo. I actually um, <laughs> host the with a friend. I host the open mic at the Lindenville VFW the first Thursday of every every month, if anybody wants to come. (laughs) Um, But I played Parker Pie when I got back. Um, And then actually I was booked to play the Red Barn Brewery, but um, got the flu or something that week. But I still really like just kind of being the front person in a band. Yeah. Um, I'm... Not a great guitar player. I mean, I can hold my own, but I'm really, I'm a singer. So um, I guess I appreciate the fact that I'm getting braver doing it by myself. But um, it's really hard to sing from like your whole soul, from your toes when you're also playing an instrument. I still don't understand how people can do that because the way that I sing is I tend to move around a lot and jump around a lot. And I'm a little bit, um, I have a hard time sitting still anyway, um, just as a person. So I really kind of like to be sort of like at the audience and in their face. And and you can't do that when you're, you know, playing a guitar or sitting behind a piano. Yeah. Is there anything that you've kind of drawn from it that you're like, actually, this is this is actually one element that I, I really enjoy? As a solo? Yeah, as a solo artist. Um, <clears throat> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like, I get a lot of anxiety about trying to do that by myself. You know, um, maybe it's a crutch. Maybe it's a bad thing. I mean, playing in the band with John, uh, we were called Level 10. And um, we did a couple of originals, but it was primarily covers. I know some people knock cover bands, but if you if you haven't been in one and want to, it's a really good place to like get your chops, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think I kind of use the band a lot as a crutch, you know. They're like a little safety net, mm-hmm. and so I just haven't found anything yet to appreciate as so as far as playing by myself. But I fake it really, really well. well that's good. As long as you can fake it, <laughs> you're absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, is there plans to to maybe get a band together once this album comes out to to really fill that out on a stage and to give you the confidence you need to really perform these songs as they should be heard? Well, luckily, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna fly to Arizona and see John. Where I'm gonna be there next month, and I just asked him, "Hey, John, <laughs> you want to do one of these songs live?" He was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> right, John? We're going to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, you just need to let me know, you know, which one you want to do. Yeah. And, and then we need to spring it on everybody else. Uh, yeah, and get them to, like, quickly, quickly <laughs> learn it. Um, I'm actually just started rehearsing with a band out of Bradford. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called Five Below. 
Um, and it's a great group of guys, and we're practicing like every Sunday, cover band again. And usually when I start with a cover band, I'll kind of like, you know, you got to build that trust first. Mm -hmm. You got to know, you know, kind of how you work together and everything. And then you might be like, hey, <laughs> want to maybe do an original? Some people, that scares them, you know, and I get that. But in a way, I really don't think it's something to be afraid of because if it's a cover, it, no one's heard that song before. They're not going to know if you mess up. You can just be like, that's the way it goes. Right. But a lot of people, I think, just don't want to, butcher someone's original music you know so right. nobody could butcher my music I'd, I'd be all over any yeah, idea i don't know so. about that but <laughs> I, I i do feel like it's, it's probably a little you know it's uh, intimidating, intimidating to cover to bands so i don't know if books, i'll be yeah. able to put anything together right now to yeah. play these you know maybe when i know these guys better in yeah. bradford we've only been rehearsing for maybe like three months okay well, I, my fingers are crossed that you know <laughs> may, maybe someday you just kind of slip it in and uh, and they and they take to it. They might they might really love it. I mean, I've played these just me and my guitar. I played because uh, I have a bunch of other older songs too, um, even ones from when I was here last time that I can play. So when people like them, yeah, but they just don't have the. I like all the stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like having a little, <laughs> like having an army behind. I like you. bass. I like the stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, of course. Um, well, we got about time for, for about one more song. Mm -hmm. uh, so who, what are you playing us out with? So this last one is called Rhythm of the Road. Um, it's a really old song that I that I wrote um, on my way to Rochester, New York to see family. There are so many iterations of this song. It's been done acoustically. I've played it live many times. And then I gave it to John and I said, hey, just think of something like, what did I say? Not Oak Ridge Boys. No, Almond Brothers. <laughs> Almond Brothers. I said, think of that and mm -hmm. then see what you come up with. So, Rhythm of the Road. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> Can we try? 
Britt Moore playing us out there with Rhythm of the Road. Britt, John, thank you so much for coming in. It was very fun. Thanks for having us. Oh, of course. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, John, for, for calling in. This, is, uh, this, is, this was a new experience to me as well, and it seemed to work out pretty well. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, well, you can join us next week. We've got Adriana Chabot coming in. Uh, but for now, this has been WOMLP operating out Burlington, Vermont, 105.9 The Radiator. It's been The Rocket Shop, and I've been your host on Proxa. Good night. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. That was way fun.